Attention people who still care. How can regular people like us invest in a way that fixes our broken financial system? This is the question we ask on the Crowd Effect podcast. I am your host, Paul Lovejoy, activist investment advisor at Stakeholder Enterprise. On today's show, public choice theory. What the heck is that? And what does it have to do with abortion, guns, and drugs? Oh my! But before we get into that, I first want to tell a story. Now, I have a son. I have two sons, but my eldest son, Liam, he just finished fifth grade. Now, back when he was in second grade, uh, he was having all kind of behavioral problems at school. Uh, we were getting meetings with the teacher, meetings with the principal, and it, we just didn't really know what was going on. Also at that time, uh, when my son Liam was playing sports, he always seemed slow to react to things and he was getting injured, you know, especially with basketball, you know, the, 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 he would jam his fingers all the time and it looked like he was just slow to react. Now, uh, a few later on during his, uh, second grade, uh, he had one of these vision tests and it turned out he needed glasses. Uh, now I would love to say that his behavior changed right away. Well, it didn't, uh, but I, I will say this. Um, he just finished uh, fifth grade with straight A's and he earned himself the citizenship award, which get, goes to students who demonstra demonstrate model behavior both in and outside the classroom. Uh, on, on top of that, uh, I noticed uh, right after he got his glasses, I noticed uh, him improving in basketball. And he actually became a rebounding machine uh, that next season. But what was most remarkable was just how he saw the world differently. Uh, shortly after his glasses, we were uh, going over the Ko'olau mountain range here on o Oahu. And... He said, Dad, I could see all the trees and the plants. There's just so much texture. First off, I was like, texture? How did you know that word? He's like, oh, Minecraft. Uh, but the next thing I was like, wow, you know, he really does see the world differently. Um, he even saw Joe Biden on the TV and he's like, wow, I didn't know he had so many wrinkles. So his... The whole way he saw the world changed. It, it was it was dramatic. You know, imagine not being able to see details of the world, and all of a sudden you can. It's it's got to be very transformative. Um, so this brings us to our main story of the day: public choice theory. What the heck is it? Well, public choice theory serves as a powerful lens through which citizens can understand and navigate the complexities of government policy. This economic theory offers insights into how individuals' decisions shape public outcomes and sheds light on the unintended consequences of government actions. Much like my son Liam's glasses transformed his understanding of the world, Public choice theory has the potential to improve our economy, enhance quality of life, and reveal the hidden effects of policy decisions. 
Public choice theory applies the principles of economics, such as supply and demand, to analyze the behavior of individuals and groups within the political and governmental systems. So, what does it have to do with abortion, guns, and drugs? Oh my! Well, let's go ahead and put on our public choice theory glasses and take a look. Okay, government in abortion, guns, and drugs. What, what, what is this? It looks like government is completely focused on the supply side of thing. We're, we're trying, we're, we're arguing and debating over the supply of abortions, over the supply of guns, and over the supply of drugs. We're spending all this time, energy, and money on on the supply and we're completely ignoring the demand. It's kind of like all we're doing is we're spending millions of dollars and decades of our lives focusing on a treatment and we're completely ignoring the cure. All right, that That's crazy. So the question isn't really, the question we shouldn't be focusing on whether we should, uh, you know, regulate the supply of these things. Um, it, it more the, the more important question is how do we eliminate the demand? Um, so that is a good question. How do we eliminate the demand for abortion, guns, and drugs? Oh my! Well, let's go ahead and put on our trusty public choice theory glasses again and see what is the root cause for, for some of these things. Okay, now I'm seeing the Guttmacher Institute has conducted many surveys and studies on the reasons why women get abortions. And the number one reason in the United States is socioeconomic. Okay, a few years later, they wanted to find out what the, the world, uh, the why women around the world are getting abortion. Uh, again, socioeconomic. Well, what about guns? Well, guns, uh, the number one reason people cite for having guns is self-defense. Well, the only reason why you're concerned about self-defense is, is because of crime. Well, what is the root cause of crime? We don't know, but it appears to be the leading cause is socioeconomic, according to mountains of research and studies. One uh, that is heavily cited is the impact of socioeconomic status on crime, a review of literature by authors David Wilson and Doris Wilson. Okay, socioeconomic abortion, socioeconomic on guns. Well, what about drugs? Well, I'm, I'm guessing your intuition is telling you that a leading cause for drug abuse is socioeconomic. Well, what is it, what do we have to say? Well, there is mountains of research and studies that show a huge correlation between socioeconomic status and drug abuse. Specifically, this study here that is heavily cited by lead author Patrick O'Malley called the Socioeconomic Status and Substance Abuse Among Young Adults, a Comparison Across Constructs and Drugs. It's all saying economic. So the, our economy, our, the economic concerns of 
our, our, our population is really the, the root cause. So if we can address our economy in a way that eliminates the demand for abortion, guns, and drugs, oh my, well, we all win. Uh, this is something we could all agree on too, is eliminating the demand for these things. Uh, now, um, what do we do? Well, we typically ask our politicians to do something and they will do something. And when we ask our politicians to do something and we don't try and solve the problems ourselves, well, we're giving them our power. And our politicians have do, two very different approaches into addressing this issue. Now, uh, one side, you know, the, the, the Democratic side, the Democrat side, will say that, uh, well, government needs to be a safety net for its citizens and that, uh, the, that uh, corporations can't be trusted and they need to be regulated. Uh, now, the other side, the Republicans will say, there's nothing wrong with our corporations. It's government subsidies. They're giving our population a dependent mindset, which is eliminating their incentive to work. Well, what if they're both wrong and it's not government response that is needed to address our economic problems? Now, Many of us have thought about the way publicly traded for-profit corporations are designed with a corporate bottom line that is constantly trying to increase their quarterly profits. Now, having this pressure to increase your quarterly profits will inevitably lead to unethical behavior. It has over and over again. Uh, unethical behavior will lead to regulations because we can't have our corporations uh, defrauding us and, and polluting our environment. So they get regulated. Well, guess what happens? The corporations get even more expensive to operate, but that pressure to increase their quarterly profits, it's still there. It doesn't go away. Uh, in fact, it, it makes it even greater because now it's harder to increase your quarterly profits. So, so we're in this cycle of regulating and, uh, you know, and, and making it tougher to uh, make a profit, but the pressure's still there. So uh, corporations will, will look outside the box for their unethical behavior. Uh, but at the same time, if we just say corporations run free, well, then they don't have to be very creative with their unethical behavior. So, so here we are in, in this, this situation and it doesn't seem like it, the regulations can ever, 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 ever address this pressure to increase quarterly profits. Um, and, and so because of that, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's the way publicly traded corporations are designed in the first place that looks to be the root of our economic problems. Uh, so, so what do we do? How do we fix this? Um, well, as of now, um, if you want to design a publicly traded corporation, uh, well, that happens in something called the private market. Now, the, the private market 
is uh, exclusively where accredited and institutional investors go to uh, get on the ground floor uh, of, of co uh, corporations and they are able to shape them in a way that they see fit. And uh, institutional investors and accredited investors really only care about one thing. They want to earn a profit on their investment because it's risky investing in the private market and so there's there's this need to to uh make profit so it's easy for a founder to uh drift have vision drift and and have this pressure to uh make profits for their investors so how do regular people get access to this private market well uh, let me ask you uh, do you have a million dollars cash in the bank? Did you make $200,000 a year for the last two years as a single person or $300,000 a year for the last two years as a married couple? If not, then you are locked out of the private market because the SEC thinks that you are unsophisticated and on, are unable to understand the risks of investing in the private market. However, in 2015 and 2016, new regulations were put into place, Regulation A plus and Regulation Crowdfunding. This allowed the general public access to the private market via crowdfunding. So regular people, you and me now, for the first time in history, have access to this private market. Which leads me to my financial tip of the day. Become a crowd investor. As a crowd investor, this is the first time in history we have the opportunity to shape the private market. And we do it in a way where we're not looking to have this, this pressure on, on corporations because crowdfunding is so unique in, in that you only need to put up a, a small amount of money uh, and there's a large group of people also putting in a small amount of money. And, and so this is how they can fund these business ventures, loans, and companies through, through, these, the, through the crowd. And when you're putting in $10, well, you can spread out your, you know, a, you know a thou, if you have $1,000, you can be invested in 100 different projects, which is uh, institutional level uh, diversification. And not only that, they have platforms that are well-established now that um, do offer some vetting process uh, of, of uh, startup companies and, and loans. On top of that, the private market is the only way uh, regular people can, or, or the, the small businesses can get investments. Uh, they can only do it through the private market. They, they can't do it through the public market. So for um, the, us regular people, by engaging in crowd investing, uh, we can fund these small businesses that are often denied uh, funding for a various of reasons. Maybe because it's the color of their skin. Maybe it's because of their gender. Well, historically, this has been the case. And now it's no longer the case because we all have access to this private market. We all have the ability to shape our economy in the way that benefits 
the general public. This is the first time in history this has ever been able to do that. Um, and so it's a very exciting time to be able to do that. Now, okay, the, the ethics of it is fantastic. Yes, we're able to shape our economy. We're able to design uh, corporations in a way that, that looks out for for all stakeholders, looks out for the, their, the company's employees and customers, their vendors and suppliers, the investors and shareholders, uh, the environment, the community the company serves, all stakeholders. And this is the first time the general public can, can do this. And, and companies, founders now, uh, don't have that same pressure because there aren't just a couple of loud voices screaming in their ears to make profits. Now, the founders can, can focus on their vision uh, and, and create disruptive products and services that, that benefit us all. And the best part is that the general public now can profit from it. Uh, not only do we profit from it, but now we're, we're uh, competing with these big banks and institutional investors. And instead of these banks and institutional investors profiting from it, well, it's a market-based redistribution of wealth. The general public now is, is profiting from it. But is it profitable? That, that is the big question. Does it, how does it compare to the public market and the stock market? Well, uh, according to a 2023 paper by uh, McKenzie and company, um, the private market is now where accredited and institutional investors are going because of the declining returns in the public market. And so... Uh, the, the, these accredited and institutional investors, they understand that it's riskier, but the returns are more attractive. And because these venture capital firms have been engaging in the private market uh, for the last 35, 40 years, they've developed systems to mitigate risk. And they're delivering phenomenal returns for the wealthy. If you're wondering why the rich are getting richer and corporations are getting more powerful, well, this is the reason why. Uh, they're the ones shaping the economy. They're the ones that are having access to the best kinds of investments and small businesses and the general public. Well, we've been getting locked out until now. My name is Paul Lovejoy. I am a crowd investor and I see you are one too. If you'd like to know the three secrets to fix our broken financial system legally, ethically, and without confrontation, go to stakeholderenterprise.com.